Weekly podcast, we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 116 is recorded live May 17, 2012. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Gilson, and here's some of the articles we're going to be covering this week in the news. We have a follow-up to the grid uh, underwater, uh, Green Bay Scuba Club uh, metal detector. We also have Battleship Makes Final Port Call, and we have Verdict on That Sea Monster on YouTube. Before we get started, I'd like to introduce our co-host for this week. We have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? Uh, as a friend of mine says, I'm finer than frog hair. Excellent. Uh, Max playing hooky so far. He might pop in in the middle of the show, but as the weather gets nice, uh, it, it seems to be getting a little harder to get some of our couples back in. Uh, hopefully he's diving if he didn't make it. You know, we, we always allow diving as a excuse not to make the show. Uh, we have a full chat room tonight. We have quite a few in there, and we also have an interview we're going to do, so I'd like to get started with that and uh, welcome our guest this week. We have Danea Buckingham. From the French. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm Peachy Keen Jelly Bean. Use another funny intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. So, uh, from I've been chatting back and forth with you on Twitter a little bit, and I noticed that you are trying out for uh, something. I believe they're calling the French job. Why don't you let us know a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a pretty interesting social media stunt, as it were. Uh, watch, watch designers Maurice Lacroix. He, he is trying to break the world free diving record of 703 feet. He's going to do it in June over in Antibes. And in order to get the maximum coverage for the event, they're assembling a team of eight bloggers, one who writes in Russian, one German, one Chinese, one English, a video blogger, a personal assistant, and a pool boy and a world and an entire event. I've applied as both the English blogger and the video blogger, and I'm currently in third place for the video blogger spot. Um, so that's a bit about the French job. So what are they expecting from you? So like, say you won the, the video blogger, are they expecting you to go ahead and create videos? Yeah, absolutely. They, um, how it works is they would fly me over in early June. Um, we'd all meet together in, uh, in Antibes in French Riviera. Uh, then we'd watch as Seb does last training, um, start to work on how deep he can go. I'll be documenting how he goes about breaking that freediving record because he actually has a, um, a, a rather different way of starting his freedive. Rather than sort of inhaling and holding a breath, he actually breathes out uh, before he descends in order to enact a, um, basically an instinctive reaction similar to what whales or, or any other sort of diving creature um, uh, has in their body when they, when they go deep. Um, so he's trying out his own his own experiments uh, on himself, really, and I would be responsible for making videos of the whole thing, everything from the house we're staying in to him under the water, uh, and and just talking about the entire experience. So you're gonna be able. So you, if you got the video position, you'd be able to do some underwater videography then. 
Absolutely. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I use a little uh, a little Canon underwater camera, um, which I've taken. I've actually used, used in quite a few places around the world. I love I love doing underwater footage. I think it's one of the most special things that, that we as divers are, are able to go under there and capture capture this whole other world that so many people, um, like my mum, for example, who, who has bad ears, so she can't dive. The, my ability to go underwater and, and film the world down there that I love so much lets people like her uh, live it live it too. Now, how how deep would you be diving? Um, look, it would depend on it would depend on what they need me to go. As deep as my camera will let me record, so um, any depth in the water is a good depth in the water for me. How deep is he going to be going to set that world record? Yeah, so the the current record sits at seven hundred and three feet, uh, and he's going to try and break that. That's, that is, that is deep. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I um I know that personally. I I like a, I like a set of CDs, so I I'm pretty fascinated and amazed by free divers. Um, they're they're a breed apart as far as I'm concerned. Now, now, have you had a chance to try any free diving? Yeah, I certainly have. Um, I'm not amazingly good at it, but it's something I'd really like to work on and uh and try and perfect a bit more myself. Um, I was I spent three months in the Philippines. Um, just recently, I got back to Sydney in in April, and I got to do a bit of free diving there, as well as in the Solomon Islands uh, late last year. Then I um I'm going to meet a friend who's sailing. He's in the sailing race from Seattle to Hawaii, and then he's going to continue down into French Polynesia. And I'm going to go meet him and sail for a little while in uh, probably November of this year. So there will be lots of free diving for me then. And hopefully, thanks to some some tutelage from Seb, I can uh, I can put some newfound skills to use. Excellent, that was great. Our Sydney diver, uh, who's in the chat room, is asking, "Where do you dive mostly in Sydney?" Where do I dive? Um, well, I'm with Sydney Dive Academy, and they're based in Matraville. Um, I also I also dive a bit of dive two thousand. So uh, Adelaide sunk. Um, about a year ago, a year ago last month, I believe, and has now turned into a pretty beautiful, um, beautiful wreck and, and uh, marine park. So I haven't done it yet. I've been, I was away for most of last year, so I'm going to take a buddy and, and go up and get wrecked uh, next weekend. So, what kind of diving experience do you have? How long have you been diving? Diving, yeah, for sure. I started diving in 2009, um, and I. Ironically, I um I was going on a holiday with with a friend of mine, and he already had his advance, and I had nothing. So I ended up having to do my open water in Sydney in freezing cold water. I looked like the Michelin woman with all the neoprene I was wearing. It was pretty funny. Um, froze my bum off, got my open water, and two days later, plunked myself into Sipidan Island uh, from Borneo, and had about ten days of, of magnificent diving there. Then. I've been diving in, in quite a few parts of Australia, up near Byron Bay uh, as well, and, and Mooloolaba, the Sunshine Coast. Um, diving in the Solomon Islands, all over the Solomon Islands. I spent quite a while there actually working in uh, underwater conservation, as well as finding new dive sites around the Morovo Lagoon area, which is um, the largest lagoon in the world. And I was working with, um, working with some people over there to basically go and map out new dive sites which oh. was pretty amazing. Uh, 30 degree water, won't turn it down. Um, oh. And then I was I was caving in, in Munda, in the Solomon Islands. That's one of the best 
the best dining experiences of my life. Uh, a duo named Graham and Jen run a teeny tiny little dive shop in, in Munda in the Solomon Islands and they have just a plethora of World War II wrecks scattered all over, um, all over around Munda and, you know, we just went and explored for, for weeks, which was brilliant. Um, then working as a dive master in, in the Philippines, I worked with Calypso Diving in Boracay Island uh, and helped explore some new dive sites for them as well. Excellent. Then I'm going to Lord Howe Island soon, do some, do some diving on the marine park there, and um, yeah, I guess that's a bit of my diving. <laughs> Moonlight in the shark tank at Ocean World, doing DSCs and teaching about sharks. Well, I, I am thoroughly jealous of the places that you're getting to dive. So, it sounds like, a, <laughs> it sounds like some yeah. great locations. We keep saying that we need to get out that way and uh, hit Australia. We haven't had a, had a chance to get there yet. So. Well, whenever you do, you have a dive buddy ready and waiting. I, oh, that's um, awesome. I'll come and meet you anywhere in the world. I, I love that about diving. It's one of my favorite things. I find that the dive community, you know, you'll you'll meet people and, and go, I want to dive here. Oh, me too. And you'll plan a trip with someone you, you barely know, and you'll end up with yet another amazing friend and, and dive buddy. It's, um, it's, I've never met a diver I didn't like. Let's put it that way. Well, that's great. I'm sure there are a few out there we might not like, but uh, so I'm, I'm with you. I haven't, I haven't found one yet. Uh, so certainly the, the offer goes for you as well if you ever get here into the... I'm going to keep going the, until, uh, until I say otherwise. Yeah, if, if you ever make it here in the Midwest of the U.S., uh, come on and we'll go diving. And we dive all year round. We actually go from ice diving to wreck diving and then river diving in the fall. Wow. It goes all the way around and then uh, through the show, we've got listeners all over the world. So like you like you said, if you ever need a, a dive buddy, it's not hard to find one. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Oh, and, and the thing, so let's get back to the French job. Um, so yep. what you're hoping to do is get that position. So how would our listeners and those in the chat room vote? Where, to, where should they go? Absolutely. I would love all the support and help I can get. Um, you can go straight to the website, if you like, which is the-french-job.com. And you'll click on ranking, and under there it'll have all the categories. It'll have video blogger, which is the top one, and it will have English blogger, etc., etc. Um, click on the category. I am um, I'm applied in both video and English blogger. You can vote in both categories, uh, and it's the beautiful thing about this. Any of your personals you have to do is click on my profile. It will come up with my video. And then underneath the video on the right-hand side will be a little button that says vote. Just click vote, uh, and, and you'd be doing me an enormous favor. Excellent. So if you're in a chat room, so if, you could do us a, of, if you're in a chat room, you could do us a favor and head on over there and go ahead and uh, give her a vote in both of those two categories. And when does the voting end? The voting actually ends in two days. Two days. So, uh, if you're as soon as you hear this podcast, make sure you get uh, out there and the vote. Twentieth of May. And the beautiful thing about it, yeah, the the great thing about it though is that um, how this one works is that if you're in the top ten, once they get a top ten and voting closes, the organisers and Seb himself will actually get to go and look at our applications and choose based on who uh, they want as well. What you need to do is get me into the top ten. For, for English blogger and, and video blogger, uh, if I can enlist all of your brilliant help, and that way it would be up to, to the man himself. Excellent. 
so, so then, so then he's going yeah. to he, he's actually going to get to choose himself. He's going to go through the, the the qualifying and then select them. Yeah, I believe it will be um, a team of of Seb, the people from Marie Require, the watchmakers. Uh, and then the other organizers who are doing all of the social media for, for the French job. I think it will be a, a panel of Excellent. them. The, um, the other easy way you can, you can find the competition is if you go to my blog, uh, which is rabbitearth.com, as in R-A-B-B-I-T, like a, like a bunny, earth, E-A-R-T-H.com. And the first post there, uh, has a big red button on it and it says click the big red button. And that takes you into into my voting panel as well. Another good way to go ahead and vote. Uh, now there has to be a story behind how you came up with the name Rabbit Earth. Uh, there there is, I guess. You you can't really see me. I'm currently huddled between a building and some stairs to avoid the wind. But I have red hair, uh, and it sort of flops in my face. And my auntie, who unfortunately died when I was about ten years old, uh, and who was very very she's which I, I now look at Jessica Rabbit as an adult and go, wow, that's kind of a suggestive nickname for, for a five-year-old. Um, but nevertheless, the, the rabbit um, thing, who I sort of stuck with me. Um, and I figured anywhere I want to hop around the world, I'll, I'll make it a rabbit earth. So hopefully you get, you get this position on the French Connection. You have to keep in contact with us. Uh, let us know how it goes. Of course, of course. Well, I'll be, I'll be a loyal listener as well now. And... Um, and like we were saying earlier, if, if anybody if anybody wants a, a dive buddy or anything like that, I actually travel quite a lot. So I'm I'm going over to India and Goa in July, and I'm hoping to get to do a bit of diving around that part of the world, uh, and then a bit more in in sort of Southeast Asia um, and and French Polynesia late this year. So you know, hop onto my blog, and and I would love to talk to all of you. I think you sound like an amazing bunch of people. Well, thank you. Uh, we have another question from the chat room. Sure. Uh, Craig is asking what type of Canon camera you are using. Uh, I use an S95 actually. I find it's a it's a brilliant little thing for me. I eventually I will invest in in a larger kit, but, but so far what I've been doing um, is is travel for fun and a, and a bit of travel for things like um, like underwater conservation. So that camera I find all of the settings work work brilliantly and are very intuitive underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the housing the housing's very solid. It takes a takes a good beating. So I use a Canon S95. I say I think that's an excellent camera. Uh, one of the friends of the show, Rich uh, Sinowick, who also has a, a, a diving podcast, uh, he he's a big fan of the Canons, and I believe that's one of the newer models, isn't it? The S95. It is. It is. Uh, the S100 is is one step above that, and that one I believe you can get housings that can that have interchangeable aquatic lenses for. I'm not sure if you can get those housings for the S95, but for my purposes so far, it's brilliant just with the with the standard housing. The, the colors are so vivid. The underwater settings are are really, as I said, intuitive and and it's easy to use. Oh, that's excellent. Now, uh, I was going to ask what type of housing you're using. You're using just the standard uh, Canon underwater housing then? Yeah, I am at the moment. Um, I have one on order that's, uh, that's a metallic, um, or the, you know, the black plated housing uh, that, that's from a supplier. I believe they're, um, oh, I think you can get them through Asia Divers. Um, I got mine online, but I'm getting a metallic housing to, that ideally will let me change lenses underwater. the water. But yeah, currently I just 
I, I just use the, uh, the Canon, Canon housing. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, I know that with the Canons, uh, some of the housings I've heard people like are the, uh, the Icolite. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll be looking into getting one of those. I, um, I think dive gear is, is one of those things you can, you can spend all your paychecks and all your friends on. Um, <laughs> so I, I, um, for the moment, my, my little housing's good, but I'll, I'm going to order an Icolite one. Yeah, definitely. I hear they're very good. Now, Jim, do you have any questions before we, we head on into the news? Uh, Jim must be taking a nap. Have we, have we lost Jim? He's on for a nap. We can hear you now, Jim. Okay, I'm sorry. I pushed the mute the wrong way. <laughs> just wondering if you uh, shot any video or just did still shots. Shot any video of, of camera, what? Camera, if you took, took video, underwater videos, or if you were just using still shots with your camera. No, no, not at all. I love, um, I love video underwater. I think it's, I said earlier, but I think the the feed got a little bit garbled. I think taking video underwater is is one of the most special things that we get to do as as divers because it allows us to show a world that we're so passionate about. I mean, I I always say that I would live underwater if I could, you know, and have a nudibranch as a pet. Um, <laughs> and so so I think uh, I think taking video underwater lets us show a world that's not accessible to everyone. I mean, my mum, for example, has, has bad ears, so she's never been able to dive, unfortunately. Um, and me taking a video camera underwater lets her get as close as, as she can uh, to, to somewhere I, I adore more than anything. I agree. It's, it's a fantastic opportunity. We'd love to have you come up here and see some of the uh, wooden shipwrecks of the Great Lakes. Uh, oh, wow. the 1800s fully intact, sitting on the bottom, and no salt. Oh, no way. Fresh water. Oh, I am on a plane. <laughs> One of the few places of the, in the world where you can find the wooden schooners still intact is the Great Lakes. Wow. you got to add that to your dive repertoire sometime. Oh, you know what? I, I absolutely will. It's, it's, I will put it on the, the bunny bucket list. As soon as I get back to my blog, um, there was a brilliant show that, that some friends of mine made who are, who are actually based in Canada called Descending. Um, I think it's actually just finished airing, and I know they were talking about, about the wooden shipwrecks as well. So it, it's, uh, it's on the bucket list, and may, maybe next year. We'll see what I maybe can do. Next, we will be here, and you come. We'll find a, a ride for you on the boat. Yeah. Done deal. And we're always searching for new ones. We've got one that we recently discovered last year, a fresh wreck that we're currently in the process of documenting, and we hope to find a couple more this year. So there's still new ones to be discovered. Wow. Do you have do you have information on them, and you sort of search them out, or do you methodically look through through the area, or what's your plan of attack for finding them? We've got a couple different processes. Uh, right now, we're running down any snags or leads we get from fishermen. Okay. And while we're headed to or from those, we'll run some lanes uh, or we'll pick an area and just start going back and forth and back and forth running lanes, what we call mowing the lawn. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now, we've been looking at leads from fishermen or old dive records or sites, uh, just trying to go for the low-hanging fruit before we start uh, mowing the lawn in earnest uh, because we the equipment we're lawn. using 
and the equipment we're using does not cover a lot of ground at any one time, so it's a lot of running back and forth. Wow. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, I um I follow a bit of a bit of Clive Cussler's expeditions and that sort of thing around looking for odd shipwrecks and and people think that it's all it's all adventures and and bumping into to great sunken ships, but it's there's a lot of of, of methodology and a lot of time that it takes well, to find those, I imagine. Very true. Actually, right now, uh, Ralph Wilbanks and the Numa team is here in our area searching for Northwest Airlines Flight 2501, or the wreckage of it. And wow. this is probably their seventh or eighth year that they've been in here for anywhere from three weeks to six weeks every summer, uh, just mowing the lawn, looking for remnants from that wreck. And Ralph has found at least one wreck every year that he's been here, but he hasn't found 2501 yet. Wow. Yeah, we've actually had a chance to dive on those wrecks, I believe. Was Ann Arbor 5 rediscovered by him? Yes, Ann Arbor 5 was plotted by Ralph, uh, along with a couple others. Uh, we, we got the barge and crane that Ralph found on yep, the South Haven. And, uh, he he also is the one that found the uh, the Farnham. Okay. Oh wow! Uh, you know when uh, we gave him some some numbers to look out in that area, and he he ran by the Farnham and picked that up. So he's been very lucky out here. Um, yeah, some of it's luck, some of it's skill. You've got to know how to read the equipment, and Ralph does a good job of that. And, uh, you know, it was a once-in-a-lifetime thrill for me to get out, be able to get out and go diving, or not diving, but go searching with him one day a couple of years ago. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed that. Oh, that would be, that would be a bit of a thrill of a lifetime, I think. Those guys, um, yeah, those guys are certainly, certainly heroes in my book. I think it's, uh, an amazing thing they do. And that you guys do as well. Yeah, a lot of fun. Mm. A lot of boring time on the water, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't well, know. Well, if don't look. I don't know if it's really if boring time. I mean, a, a, you know, a bad day uh, mowing the lawn sure beats uh, a good day at work. Yeah, any day on the water is better than a day at work. But uh, I'll take I'll take I'll take waves over fluoro lighting any day. Mm, I understand. Well, we, we certainly thank you for coming on the program, and I, I'm going to try and say your, say your name one more time, uh, Danaea Buckingham. Danaea Buckingham. Excellent. Yeah. So, and then don't forget to vote for her for the French job. That's right. You can either go to my blog, rabbitearth.com, and click through to my to my voting profile. If you want to chat with me, I'm pretty active on Twitter as well. You can uh, you can tweet me at Gourmet Rabbit. G O U R M E T R A B B I T, uh, or you can uh, you can hit me up through the the Scuba Obsessed site. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and you're welcome to stay on as as long as you can. We're going to get into our next section of the program, which is following up what's happened scuba related in the news this week. Uh, Benea, you have 613 votes now. You just picked up two more since we've been on the show. Woohoo! Thank you guys. Well, the chat room's hopping tonight, so what we're going to do is we're going to we'll, we'll paste these show notes into the chat room as we go along, which is the tradition. The first one up, let's see, did I do that? Yeah, okay, the first one up is a is a follow-up. I don't know, Jim, do you remember uh, following the the bridge? I'm, I'm going to see if I can say the, the Berryessa Bridge Project. Does not ring a bell. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. Well, the, what this one... 
Yeah, this one, uh, this is about the third article we've had on the Berryessa Bridge. This one's in California. Um, since it's the third article, we, we don't have all the details on this one, but it just says that they've gone back and they, they've redove the bridge. Uh, as we reported a few weeks ago, they had gone down and touched a bridge. This time they've actually gone down to the bottom and gone underneath the bridge. Uh, they said that so far this is the clearest they've seen diving in that lake. Uh, it's been 55 years since that uh, aquifer uh, had flooded to the reservoir. And they, they're determined that the bottom of the bridge is, uh, underneath is 144 feet and that there isn't any debris. So they said as it submerged, it didn't get clogged up. So if you want a little bit more, you can go ahead and follow that in our show notes. Next one up is the Green Bay Scuba Diving Club donates a metal detector to the new zoo, which it may seem that that's not a lot to be related between scuba metal detecting in the zoo, but they decided that it would help the zoo out to be able to collect coins and other things in the bottom. And along with just donating the metal detector, they're also donating divers complete with scuba gear to help them use that metal detector. Jim, that's that a little bit... Like great thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be something I would love to do. I wouldn't I mean, like it if somebody threw pennies in my habitat all the time. It would be very <laughs> nice if someone cleaned them up. Yeah. Well, plus they spend really well, too. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they can buy them uh, buy them some new, I don't know, renovations on the tanks with all the money they'll find. <laughs> it's got to be a lot more interesting than picking up golf balls. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's, that's only official dive is when you find a golf ball. Uh, and I think Mac would probably argue with bottles, but the bottles just don't show up in the metal detector as well. Not as well, no. And golf balls don't either, but... Uh... Yeah, so that one's not as... Golf balls. You were asking about the golf balls? So the, that's from the uh, Green Bay Scuba Club, and they said one of the reasons why they're collecting the coins is uh, they're concerned that the penguins could eat a coin, and that could be deadly. So they're trying to go and get as many of the coins out of the exhibit. Yeah, we don't want to don't want to endanger any penguins. So, and then yeah. uh, this next one is uh, underwater volcano erupts, erupts and pulses. Um, a couple months ago, we had uh, about a new landmass forming. This time, this one is underwater. Wow. The underwater volcano, uh, this one is see, This is in the South Pacific. Uh, it was kind of a fluke that they even discovered it. Uh, they, they were witnessing one of the fastest episodes of volcano growth ever documented. The Manawi Seamount, an underwater volcano located north of New Zealand, erupted during an expedition and added about three, 300 million cubic feet of rock to the sum. The volume equals 3,500 Olympic swimming pools, and this occurred in just five days. Uh, Anthony Watts, geologist at the University of Oxford, who led the study, said a lot of luck was attached in, in this find. His team indicated that the submarine volcanoes uh, may shrink and swell dramatically in pulses of activity. Uh, they were surveying the seafloor near the seamount, uh, which happens a lot at the intersection of Pacific and the Indo-Australian tectonic plate, uh, when they noticed a water bubbling and gases rising. Uh, as the ship was leaving the sea area, they went through a patch of discolored water with a very small smell, like rotten eggs. We suspected that it may be volcanic gases venting, and we didn't know what that it was about to erupt. A week later, while the survey was in another area, Watts got some compelling information. A seismic situation on Cook Island had detected the intense five-day swarm of seismic activity and traces to an eruption on the seamount. So 
They have now since used uh, bathymetry. Oh, boy, I can't talk today. They, they used some tools they had, and they thought there's a large section of volcanic flank had collapsed, and that was equal to about 630 Olympic size swimming pools, but nothing compared to the 3,500 that had grown. So, and then uh, I was looking to see what depth it is. This is actually in technical uh, diving range. So while it didn't, wow. while it didn't make it quite to the surface, if you are a trimix diver, you could you could probably actually dive on it. I, w- I wonder what that'd be. At this point, it's probably not a whole lot. It's probably just a bunch of rock. But just the idea that it's within range is, is tantalizing. Well, I'll put that one. I'll put that one on the to-do list. <laughs> Diving an underwater volcano. Okay, next up we have divers. Yeah, it's in my backyard. Yeah, it doesn't, can't be too far from it. Next up is divers embrace nuclear history of bikini asteroids, and this is this is one that I think should be on my. You are unmuted. Okay, we're back. We are back, and once again we want to thank. Danae for coming on the program and wish her luck on the French job. Hopefully she gets it. So once again, don't forget to head on over to, you can get to the link from Scuba Obsessed. If I get the links up in time, I'll have to, I'll have to make an extra effort since this is running out on time. She had till the 20th, which from the time of recording is just a little under three days. Since she's in the future, uh, it's probably two days from her perspective. But we're going to jump back into the news. We have the divers embrace the nuclear history of the bikini atoll. And uh, as, she, as she was talking about her bucket list, this is one that's definitely on mine. I would love to dive that. And I've, and I've heard that it's been off limits. They've talked about turning it back, you know, allowing people back in and out. Um, I think we've got a, uh, a dive shop in the area that has gone out there a couple times. Uh, don't, hasn't uh, SAS gone to Bikini? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, they may have. I, it does ring a bell, but I don't know for sure. I know he's done a, quite a few of those, what I would consider to be fairly exotic locations. Uh, but this has been one where I think that it's not always been available. So yeah, this particular article, which we won't read the whole thing, and you can click on from over our show notes, but they're talking about, you know, for those of you who don't know, the Bikini Atoll was part of atomic testing uh, post I think some of it was a was any of it before World War II. I think most of it was after World War II. So they did a lot. Uh, yeah, you're you're right. It was yeah. after World War II. Yeah, a lot of fleet testing. So they took you know battleships and cruisers and destroyers and they lined them up and they detonated uh, atomic weapons just to kind of see how everything would handle. You know what it would do. So uh, and and the byproduct of that is you had mildly hot <laughs> radioactive material. Mildly hot. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm sure it's not something that you wanted to sprinkle on your dinner. They had cesium. Uh, and over the years, if you've watched any of the programs on Bikini Atoll, uh, they have, you like you could dive it and you're okay. Uh, what happens is, is it's where the concentrations of radioactive material have uh, collected where, where it's bad in the long term. Uh, in fact, the uh, the actually island there is hot, and it has to do with the the rain and the plants absorbing the radioactive season. Mm. So, but uh, that, that's what just it's one of those things you, you have such a collection of shipwrecks all within diving depth. It's it's just got to be a place. I mean, it, it's one of those where you could spend weeks and weeks, if not months, diving. Okay, and then we go from. Uh, battleships underwater to one that's making its last port of call. Another reef project. I love to hear these. 
we need more of these. We need we need more of the reef projects. And I'm admittedly biased because they sure make great diving sites. But uh, uh, the last remaining ship of the Battle of the Atlantic made its way along the Matalaz Pass off Fort Myers Beach and reached a final port on San Carlos Island last week. The former USS Mohawk is currently docked at Kelly Brothers Marine Construction off Main Street is waiting to be transformed for its final service as a Veterans Memorial Reef just days before Memorial Day. And this will be in the Gulf of Mexico. It departed Key West Monday afternoon for a two-day farewell journey to this part of southwest Florida and arrived at its current location shortly after 11 a.m. on Wednesday. The claim to fame as a former U.S. Coast Guard cutter as being the last ship to Radio General Dwight D. Eisenhower that the weather was clearing for the D-Day invasion in 1944. That legacy is considered to be one of her most famous deeds. This ship is most likely one of the most historic, significant pieces ever to be used for this purpose. We are very lucky, says Mike Campbell, the project coordinator for Lee County's Natural Resource Senior Environmental Specialist. It's all about honoring our veterans and providing a positive economic impact for the community. Uh, Campbell said county officials were notified the museum is looking for options to get rid of the historic vessel at, uh, before it sank at its dock. The most sensible option was a donator for an artificial reef. Although breaking it down to salvage parts would have netted close to $250,000. Uh, he said the museum actually had plans to scrap the ship. It could not afford to fix it or keep the ship anymore. It's old, dilapidated, and couldn't stay afloat because of rusting through the bottom. But being a museum, they didn't want to just scrap the pieces of natural history looking to honor the, for an honorable thing to do. They were able to take... Uh, them up on the offer to turn it into a reef. The grant from the West Coast Island Navigation District will cover the $1.3 million needed to prepare and sink the vessel. That is incredible. $1.3 million. Pick it up, get it ready, and then sink it. Yeah. So you figure the swing between being able to make 250000 for scrap and then spending $1.3 million to prep it. Mm. Yep. That's why we don't see too many artificial reefs in the Great Lakes. I don't know people who have $1.3 million to spend. No, we, we need some uh, rich people who want to scuba dive. Like uh, Zuckerman, if you happen to get on the, uh, the Facebook IPO, maybe he'd be he'd, he'd be amicable to uh, donating some money to sink a reef. Yeah, I'm sure we could do it for less than $1.3 million. I, I, I do I do it for $1.1. 1. <laughs> well, we'd find something we could sink for $1.1 million. So an excellent opportunity, another reef that's going to be down there, another wreck that I am going to have to dive. I need more time. Our work keeps just getting in the way of all the fun we have to have. Oh, no, no. This next one, I don't even remember adding it to the list. I just Let's see what this one, this one brings up. This one's out of the Guardian in the UK. Oh, no, now I remember. The archaeologists are accusing the Ministry of Advance of, of, of the Ministry of Defense of allowing a U.S. company to plunder a shipwreck. Experts take legal advice in efforts to block the lucrative deal on the underwater excavation of the HMS Victory. I, I think it depends on your perspective, isn't it, of whether it's plundering. Uh, the Ministry of Defense is facing a legal battle, battle on parliamentary questions after letting a U.S. company evacuate. Evacuate. Yeah. Excavate not evacuate, excavate a British 18th century warship laden with potentially lucrative cargo. Well, Odyssey is the company that found that wreck. Uh, And it's pretty much, I mean, when you talk about a shipwreck of this nature, and if you've seen any of the video of it, uh, 
it's not like the wrecks we see and find in the Great Lakes. I mean, this thing is just debris scattered all over everywhere uh, in piles, and the vast majority of the wood is gone. And what's there is encrusted with, I won't, you know, it may be coral, but it's all soft coral and, uh, you know, long-term growth of more oxidation than any kind of live coral. It's just, you know, all clumped together and nasty looking. Yeah. And, and for know, those of you who are wondering you know what you're looking at, yeah. it so this, looks a lot better. This is the HMS Victory, which sank in a storm in the English Channel in 1744. So that's been quite a while ago when that happened. And like you said, it's just pieces. You know, and this just has everybody riled up. You know, so what good is all the stuff doing the bottom? I mean, I really don't have a preference of who gets it. You know, I think if Odyssey found it originally, they should have a shot or at least a little bit of preferential treatment. You know, they spent time and resources to find it. You know, as, as Mac has frequently pointed out, you know, what is the Ministry of Defense or whoever in the British government done to help locate this vessel? Yeah, I mean, they stopped looking for it a long time ago. Uh, and Odyssey just, you know, it was one of the, um, it was on their A-list. This is one that they had dreamed about finding. Uh, they've already shot quite a bit of video about, you know, finding this, the searching for it and finding it, uh, and identifying, you know, some of the remains so that they could determine exactly which wreck it was. So, you know, they've done quite a bit on this one already. And Odyssey uh, spokeswoman said that the, uh, they are working with an advisory group, including representatives from the Ministry of Defense and English Heritage, to ensure the best archaeological practices are adopted in line with the annex and to avoid damaging the wreck. She also added that Odyssey's preferred form of compensation is cash for work, cash for the work it is undertaking on behalf of the ministry. Uh, one of the uh, chairmen said, we are very concerned with the, the natural erosion, damage from fishing vessels, and illegal looting that may endanger the wreck. Odyssey has proved its expertise, and we're looking forward to working with them to protect maritime heritage. Well, you're not going to protect it by leaving it on the bottom. It's just going to continue to deteriorate. Well, so we'll, we'll have some... Nice stories to keep us interested. I'm sure that we haven't heard the last of this. There'll be more of that. So that does it for Scuba in the News. We do have a video of the week this week, and we'll play it into the, the chat room. I'm sure many of you have heard about this video. Have you heard about this one, Jim? The the object found uh, by the ROV? No, this one I've missed. Uh, the, the, and this has happened the last few weeks. It posted on YouTube, and when you watch the video, you can see an object, and then I, I believe it was some sort of underwater mining or oil. Let's see this article, and then maybe it could help me if I read the article again. But this ROV had a video recording going, and they came across this object. And when you look at it, it looks kind of like a, a bag floating in the water. And the, when I first looked at it, and then I read through the comments, because it really doesn't move fast. And then you can see the jet of the ROV interacting with it a little bit. So it's kind of like what I imagine if you took a bag and opened it up underwater. And I'm watching it again. The, the video is called Cascade mm -hmm. Creature. And then you can see, can you imagine being that ROV operator and all of a sudden you go, what the heck is this? Yeah. So, so as he's inspecting whatever object he was supposed to be working on, uh, it went by him. And when I first looked through the, the comments, they were talking about that it could be a whale placenta. 
and that kind of made sense to me when you when you look at it and as you get a little bit farther and they, they mm-hmm. go close close up to it but they have since uh figured out what it is and they're saying it's a rare but not unknown type of jellyfish but it took a i was gonna say it just looks like a giant jellyfish but it appears to be huge. Yeah, because at first I thought, you know, I was thinking, you know, bag. Uh, what's weird is just the way the light's playing off. It. When I first saw the light, I was thinking it was almost CG. Like, okay, this is a is a hoax. But then as they went a little bit more with it, like the part of the video I'm seeing now, you can see the jets from the ROV kind of play with its side. And then we should be coming up to a, a, a moment here where you can actually see some sort of attachment. And when somebody said the percent, I'm thinking, oh, that makes sense. You would have, uh, you know, uh, where an ox or a blood supply would be supplied. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, actually, yeah. the, that is not the placenta. That is the uh, the reproductive organs of the jellyfish that's shown in the video. But absolutely amazing. Just a, a, an amazing catch. Yeah. And, and, and not when you're expecting it. This thing is huge. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know what kind of scale this is. But some of those jellyfish are, are big in general. So I know Rich on his show, they had that. He, he had a photo that they posted where it was the uh, the fake uh, jellyfish photo, the one where it was you know about the size of ten men, and that one was photoshopped. But uh, it'd be interesting to know how big this one is. Well, I'm looking in the upper right corner, and I'm wondering if that is five thousand and forty-three feet down. I bet you're right. I bet that's what that is. So a little bit below, uh, deeper than our our normal dive. So that would be about one mile down. That's just really incredible video. Okay, now now they're the, the, the chat room is mocking me. They want me to pronounce its name. Let me see. Can I get the? Uh, uh, let me see if I can get the article up. So see what it is that they're thinking so far. Okay, now I'm, now I'm getting the article. Here it is. Do we need a drum roll? Drum roll. We might need a drum roll for just the internet. Of course, it doesn't help that I was watching the video. So, so it's actually pretty good. I haven't dropped the whole connection. So what they're saying, the creature that had been nicknamed the Cascade Creature, and some of the suggestions were whale placenta, parachute, plastic bag, or alien visitor. So it's Deepsteria angomatica. I think that's, I did okay on that. That sounded pretty good. Yeah. It's got to make it, say it like you believe it. Uh, and the video was captured by a remote-operated vehicle near an underwater drilling site. They had assessments of the video from experts such as Steve Haddock of the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute and Craig McLean of the National Evolutionary Synthesis Center. The bag-like jelly is not that rare, but it is large, so rarely seen intact. Haddock and his colleagues write on the jellyfish's Facebook page, Jelly Watch, in the video, the swirling from the sub makes the Medusa appear to undulate, and it even turns inside out, which provides a helpful picture of a more typical specimen. Oh, they're giving us a, a picture of a more typical specimen. Uh, McLean is even more helpful in his posting on Deep Sea News. He provides citations of previous sightings of the beast, including explanations of jellyfish's weird collapse shape, and he shows through photographs and drawings a strange appendage and whitish lumps seen in the video are its gonads. And that's his term, not mine. <laughs> Dave in the chat room is wondering if penicillin cures this. <laughs> oh, so, okay, I think we, 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 we've done it to the news tonight. We've done it to the news. 
Okay, so we're now to that part of the program where we talk about last week's dive. I was all ready to dive this last week. We had what I thought was some beautiful weather coming into the weekend. Actually had a video camera that I had borrowed all ready to go. Had a nice dive light that Mac had also lent me. And we were going to get to dive for the first dive of the season on Mac's wreck. And what do you think happened? We have thunderstorms. <laughs> so Saturday morning, we get up. I'm, I'm all loaded, ready to go. I mean, my, my coffee was brewing, and I was, I, I was moving. But um, I got a call from Bob, and he scrubbed it. We have, we're getting a time of the year where the fronts and temperatures and everything, you can end up with these little spot thunderstorms, and I think that's what we had Saturday morning. Because it, it cleared up pretty pretty quickly, but by that time, we had already called it and gotten other plans for the day. So Saturday was out, so I didn't get a dive in. Uh, Kirk and Bob did make it to Lake 16 up in Martin, Michigan a little bit, uh, on Sunday. But being Mother's Day, and my daughter also had a horse show, that was not one I was going to be able to make. So I had to scrub it. Did you get a dive in, Jim? I did not over the weekend. Now, you had a trip did you, not. Were, you were going on. I, I ended up uh, picking up the uh, mixing station that we were talking about in the chat room last week. So I went over and picked that up and brought it back on Saturday, and Sunday was work on boat day. Well, we're getting closer then. I think the boat is about ready to go, and I was working on the uh, tilt and trim indicators tonight and found out that the prior owner had wired them incorrectly. So I've now been able to sort out the wiring and should be able to get that going as soon as I get a new relay for it because it had a bad relay in it also. The incorrect wiring had killed one of the relays. And this is a relay for what part of the boat? Uh, the outdrive tilt and trim, Ooh. raising the outdrive up and down. Ooh. So I won't have to use the screwdriver on the uh, relay next year or this year, I hope. And then you were also having, you were playing on doing a little bit of repair work with uh, the bellows on the outdrive? That's done. Okay. Bellows is done. New pump and pillars in. Uh, oil lube or gear lubes all changed. Uh, everything's geared up. Universals are are geared up or greased up. Everything's ready to go. Just need to uh, clean the plugs and put some fresh fuel in and get out there and run it. Everything's always better when you're greased up. So. Yeah. So yeah, we, we'll have to we'll have to we, have, we need to get out. So. So you're thinking of, of what wreck you're planning on doing this weekend if you're able to get out? Are you going to do Havana? Well, if uh, if there's another boat to run with us, I want to run out to Max Wreck, but I think it may end up being solo, and if it is, we'll run up to the Havana. Uh, Max Wreck's just a little too far offshore to run by yourself for the first run of the season, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's probably I'd rather play a little safer and... You know, if I'm going to go there, I want to have another boat with me. So if we have any issues, I've got to tow at least back in closer to town. Sometimes, the little, sometimes until you've, you've run that first tanker so full of fuel, it's, it's always nice to stay a little closer to home or have some backup. Yep, yep. So Havana's, uh, you know, not as far run and closer in the shore. So probably would be easier to get a tow back if something went wrong. Not that I anticipate anything going wrong, but good planning can help you to avoid emergencies. It certainly can. So I do. This is I, I have to say this has been one of the more suspenseful years for Great Lake diving. You know, instead of just like like a couple years ago, we just got dropped in and it was kind of a blitzkrieg of diving week after week after week on wrecks. Uh, it's, yeah. it's been it's been about one wreck every three weeks now. So 
think things are going to change and we're just we're going to be diving more than we know what to do with plus we have some nice evening weather we need and we start doing some mowing the lawn or or investigating some targets would be nice to get some of that in even during yep. some of the weeknights well actually mac and ken got out uh, early in the week and ran some targets and uh, didn't come up with anything new but they got some better images on a few of the known targets and uh, they're getting ready. They were going to try to run the fish, move the sonar head onto the fish and try to do some balancing and getting the fish in the water to see if that will help uh, get rid of some turbulence and give us a better view of uh, the bottom. So excellent. I want to see some of those photos as well. All these images, I feel feel like we're going to be able to get a bunch of these images all tied together. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Some of the 3D software you've got, and mm-hmm. some of the other things we want to try with. Uh, we've, we've learned more about the side scan itself, uh, different ways to use it, and some uh, software we've been made aware of to put images, string images together, and do some correction on the images that come from the side scan. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting year of uh, expanding the side scan work and uh, just continuing to, to search for more wrecks. Well, it's, it's certainly that time of year. We're, we're, we're going to have to get out. So. Yep. Yep. So uh, Saturday morning, if everything goes well, we can get out and get a quick dive on the Havana or someplace else and get you back before you have to do your afternoon thing. Yeah, that, 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 that could work. So we'll have to, we'll have to get on it. I'm, uh, you know, we'll have to see. <laughs> I definitely want to go. Just making sure I can get everything all kind of jockeyed so that can happen. But uh, well, let, let's, let's yep. try and make some plans. And then next weekend, you know, we've got some extra. I don't know about you, but I've got Friday off also. So we've got a four-day weekend next weekend, or at least three days with Saturday, Sunday, and Memorial Day. And we've definitely got to get some dives in there. Next weekend, the Memorial Day weekend, is the weekend that I was supposed to go to Moorhead City. And but the problem I have is that we have a major project at work going live that weekend. And I've got probably, at this point, it's gone from a couple people out of town to about 15 people from out of town coming in for this project. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to dive that weekend at all. Oh. It's, it's torture. Uh, but I'm going to have my gear in my car. And I might just drive past work and drive to the dock. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I've got, uh, I think Saturday may be an opening because Friday there's going to be people coming in. And then Saturday, in my perspective, is hurry up and wait. But mm-hmm. I expect stuff that other people haven't got done, I may have to do myself. So, uh, well, well, can you do it remotely? I mean, you know, you can, you can work during the surface interval. Oh, I yeah maybe we'll see. I mean uh, we're, we're we're kind of if if I have and and not that, I don't know I don't think my connection is good. Maybe, but maybe it'd be testing. It'd be business continuity test. Dave That's in the it. chat room is, is gonna he's gonna send me uh, pictures for Morehead. Thank you, Dave. You know, and actually I do want to see the pictures. That's just plain rubbing it in. Next year that that is rubbing it in. <laughs> Salt on the wounds. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, Dave have a great time and I know that. You've got Rich, and I think, uh, is Tony still going, Dave? I think Tony from the chat room is going to be trying to get in there. And he's also going to show us the empty rum bottles. Yeah, but you know what? I'm saving up. So once this, you know, this project's one of those that, you know, Jim, you know how projects go. It's, oh, all too well. Yeah, so 
Yeah. Oh gosh. There, there's a war. There, there's probably a podcast just. It would be about four hour podcast on what you don't do. It's like if I had it to do over with, how would I do it differently? You know, and uh, there's no substitute for strong project management and communication. Of which, mm. uh, yeah, maybe I just better take a drink and not say too much more. But. Okay. Yeah. I think it's time for a break. <laughs> time for a break. break. Time for a break. So let's see what else we got out there. So again, we want to thank uh, our friend. Uh, who's trying for the French job. Uh, and, and that can be, that kind of sounds a little racing itself, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, Danea, Danea Buckingham. So go ahead. Uh, you can visit her website at www.rabbitearth.com. And uh, she has some blog posts and you can link on over. Uh, the, visiting the website was uh, not a disappointment. Yes. So a, a nice blog she's got, and anybody who does a lot of diving is a is a great friend of the show. So and then uh, we also, if you you can follow us on Scuba Obsessed, uh, we're on Twitter at Scuba Obsessed. We have the Scuba Obsessed Facebook page www.facebook.com forward slash Scuba Obsessed. Uh, when you head on over to the Scuba Obsessed website, make sure you put your pin in our fan map to so go to about. Uh, obsessed fans and then click on over the map and add it and we'll add everybody in there and that kind of gives you an idea of and, and these are the primo scuba obsessed fans that put their their pin in the map so whenever you're traveling you can look and see that you're nearby a scuba obsessed fan and a potential dive buddy let's see is there anything else i got to plug uh i'm, I'm going to be doing I, and i've been promising this forever i know but we're going to be getting some new swag added up to the site i'm i'm redoing some logos uh, updated some software. Um, as soon as I get done with this project, this project at work, I've probably got another three weeks worth of being buried. But I hope once I come up for air, we'll be able to do some playing. But uh, well, when you come up for air, we'll fill your tanks and send you back down. Yeah, but I, it'll be different. Yeah, I, I could use nitrox. That's for sure. I want. I might take that. I might bring that into work. Maybe that's what I need. Take, to some, do. take some nitrox into work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A little bit higher oxygen content. Higher oxygen. That's right. Good for a headache. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, take, take some of that in with me. But, yeah, yeah, so uh, make sure you follow us. Uh, let us know. You can If you have comments for the show, suggestions, anything else, send us an email at theshow at scubaobsessed.com. And don't forget to listen to some of our friends' podcasts. we got uh, Rich Senowick at Diver Sync. Oh, gosh, I always feel like at this time of the show, I just feel so lost. I'm having so much fun, and, and then it just has to come to an end. Well, it can't come to an end without one last thing. Yeah, it certainly is. And I think this one, again, qualifies as a bad scuba joke. And it almost qualifies as barely a scuba joke. But okay. everybody who knows us knows that we can twist just about any joke, no matter what the material, into a bad scuba joke. So before we clear out everybody from the chat room, let's get started. A policeman, who was also a scuba diver, pulled over a car and told the diver he had won $5,000 in a seatbelt competition. What are you going to do with the money, asked the policeman. Well, I guess I'm going to get a driver's license, he answered. Oh, don't listen to him, said a woman in the passenger seat. He likes to lie when he is drunk. Then the kid in the back seat said, I knew he wouldn't get far in a stolen car. At that moment, there's a knock from a trunk and a voice said, are we over the border yet? That was uh, the bad you know, joke for you. Uh, I was waiting for the punchline. Yeah. It's, uh, so, see, 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 all we promise is bad. So that one, that one fit in. That one fit in. Okay. Yeah, and, and I think I think the chat room's still waiting for the joke. So, <laughs> on that news, on that word, 
go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And remember, no penguins were harmed in the making of tonight's show. All recording has been completed.